Hey, Street Shot listeners, this is Antonio, and this is not a real episode of Street Shots. This is a supplemental episode. I'm going to call it episode 59 and a half. What's going on is that uh, we wanted to record our 60th episode together, me and Tom, but Tom wasn't available today to record anything, and I really wanted to get a second episode in to the uh, into August before the summer is up. And we're trying to get out two episodes a month, generally one in the uh, middle of the month and one at the end of the month. Uh, that's going to be our goal to have uh, that kind of schedule. So uh, Tom wasn't available, and he's available next week. So we're actually going to record something on Labor Day. So you guys might actually be seeing three episodes from us in September, uh, just because we're going to record at the beginning of the month, and I still want to s- stick to the schedule of the 15th and the 30th, roughly. Um, what, you know, depending on schedules for people of guests and, and my own schedule, but I'm going to try to come out with a show in the middle of the month and towards the end of the month. So that's our goal. But since our 60th episode is coming up, I didn't want to record that either by myself or with, uh, a guest. I think that really is, is reserved for me and Tom. So I wanted to make sure that Tom was around. So we'll end up doing it probably, uh, next Monday, which is a week from, uh, yesterday. I'm recording this on Tuesday. So I did want to squeak something in before the end of August so that you guys had get the chance to hear me again <laughs> and that we were putting out content. So, you know, this is not an official episode. I'm not going to uh, go through a lot of stuff, um, but I did want to talk about an experience I had this past weekend, which I think is related to uh, switch to manual and street shots and in, in a lot of ways it's certainly about uh, photography but it's more about something that um, not that i photograph but that's something that uh, uh, my wife and i did and i wanted to share that with you so last uh, this past saturday my wife and i attended this event called the jazz age lawn party this is an event that takes place two times a year in new york city uh, around June, middle of June, and then middle of August. And it takes place on an island in New York Harbor called Governor's Island. And you have to take a ferry to go over to it, and you have to buy tickets for it. But what it basically is, is a couple of days in June and a couple of days in August where people go and have a party, and everybody dresses up like they're from the 20s and 30s. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a little pricey to get in. Um, my wife and I have been doing it for the past, this is the third year we've gone. And we've come up with some uh, nice costumes. I've, I've been basically wearing the same thing for the past three years, and so is, so is she. Uh, we, we, we like dressing up. We don't do a cosplay or anything like that, but uh, when we go to this event, we make sure we dress up appropriately, as, as appropriately as we can. I mean, I tried not to buy any new clothes for this, but uh, I managed to to set myself up that I look like some sort of uh, dock worker <laughs> from the, uh, or a truck driver from the from the 1920s. And actually I was trying to, uh, what I wanted to do is buy a, a an old box uh, and fill it full of bottles and fill those full of, uh, uh, you know, like uh, iced tea or something like that so that it looks like whiskey and, and bring those in and sort of walk around with that all the time. But uh, they don't allow bottles and glass <laughs> into this. So I, I, I can't go with too many props. But uh, my wife has a great dress and hat, and she wore some great sunglasses. And I've got a newsboy hat. Now, I'll post some pictures, uh, let's see, someplace where you can see this. I mean, certainly maybe on the Podbean page 
uh, where I'll, I'll put the link to uh, and when, I, when I share this. And perhaps on uh, you'll see some of the stuff on Facebook. I'm, again, I might not put this on our website as a full thing but because uh, it's not an official episode. So anyway, we've been going to this for the past uh, three years, and basically we dress up, and we bring a little, uh, sometimes we bring a picnic lunch, and we bring a couple of chairs, and, and basically watch everybody walk around looking like they're from the 30s, and they have bands there that play the music, and there are vendors there selling clothing from the time period, and hats, and you can taste, uh, you know, uh, uh, gins and whiskeys and beers and you know it's all the prohibition time thing and it basically you just sit around and 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 people watch for the entire day and uh, it's a great place to photograph uh, i sometimes bring my camera i sometimes don't uh, when i talk about my camera like my my real camera but i'm always bringing my phone and taking some pictures uh, I, I generally don't bring my camera because i'm part of the event and sometimes it's hard to be part of the event and take pictures as well this year I decided to bring my my Fuji X T10 with my lens baby uh, Trio 28 on it, which is a manual focus lens. You, you, I, I've talked about that in the past. And with my uh, Fuji X-T10, it's got a bendy screen. And so when I take pictures with it, it, it looks very like an old manual camera. And I actually had a lot of people commenting, what kind of lens is that? <laughs> so it, it does look kind of old timey. But again, I, I, I'm really there to be part of the event, not to take pictures. Although this year I did bring the camera and uh, I was taking some pictures and I was transferring them to my iPhone and then using um, an app uh, called Tintype, which is made by the people who make the Hipstamatic app. And the, the app called Tintype will actually take a picture and make it look like an old time picture. It will almost make it look like it's shot on a glass negative. Um, and so I was doing some pictures like that and I was making them look old timey. And this actually is leading me into the experience that I had because one of the vendors that was at the uh, Jazz Age Lawn Party is a place called the Penumbra Foundation. And they have a booth set up there where they will take your portrait with an old time camera in an old style format called the Tintype. And yeah, well, you'll have this sort of beautifully done image on a that's actually on a piece of metal. And it, without going into the full explanation of what a tintype is, or technically the basic part of it is, it's an old style photograph. It's probably one of the first ones to 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 come around. And basically, you have a metal plate which some. Uh, light sensitive emulsion is applied to and then that um, plate is put into a camera and you're and they take the it's exposed and then you process it and in the end you have your photograph on a metal plate uh, the interesting thing about this process is called a wet plate process the the emulsion still has to be wet when it goes into the camera um, I'm not sure what happens it probably loses its effectiveness when it's not wet it's probably no longer light sensitive. I'm I'm guessing here now because I haven't done a lot of research on the tintype, but there must be a reason that it has to still be wet. Uh, and then it gets processed in daylight, and then it gets the the plate gets varnished uh, when it's done, and it becomes a permanent image on a piece of metal. In the old days, they used to call uh, they used to use tin, which is why it's they're called tintypes. But uh, these days, they use uh, aluminum plates. And the plates have to be coated 
in a dark space. So the, there was a guy there with a black tent and he's creating these plates and people are going to get their portraits done. And my wife and I have been going to this jazz age lawn party for three years and I've been seeing this booth and I've been, oh, I want to get my portrait done. I want to get my portrait done. And they're not cheap. This one was uh, $85 for a four by five inch plate um, uh, for a sitting and, uh, you know, one sitting. So you get one plate, uh, one shot, and it's $85. And they also offer a five by seven for, I think it was $115. And these were prices that were for being at the show. You can actually, if you're in New York City, they have a space uh, on 30th Street. 36 East 30th Street, where you can um, you can go and actually have your portrait taken there. There, they also have education where you can learn how to uh, create some of the old process photographs, and uh, they have a membership program there. So, like if you're in New York, you're interested in this. I would I would definitely check this out. Um, let's see, their little. Uh, thing says the Penumbra Foundation is a nonprofit organization that brings together the art and science of photography through education, research, outreach, public, and residency programs. So the gallery was, uh, let's see, we're located in the heart of New York City, 36 East 30th Street between Madison and Park Avenues. Our offices and center reside in the photographic district where the famous 291 gallery created by Alfred Stieglitz was housed. So there, th so you can actually go come to the city and get a portrait done there. They charge more when they're in the, uh, when you're at their studio. So they were charging less at this jazz age loan party. So anyway, I've been walking by this booth for the past couple of years. And this year I finally asked my wife, I said, Are, would you be up to getting your portrait taken? And she was like, yeah. And so we went up to it and we signed up and we're in our old garb and we had to, um, wait for a little while because it was really getting kind of busy there were a lot of people wanting to get their portraits done and we uh, eventually got seated and the photographer who was taking our picture her name was olivia and she was really good at posing us and getting us telling us what was going to happen and she had to make sure that our eyes were at the same um, focal plane because the camera that she was using had a very shallow depth of field and if our eyes were sort of if i was a little closer behind my eyes might be out of focus and my wife's would be sharper, vice versa. So she's describing how we should uh, set up and we had to keep very still. And while she's describing this to us, there's a guy in a little black tent making, getting the plates ready. He's pouring on the emulsion and getting everything prepared and putting it into the film holder. And she has to focus on us first and then uh, retrieve the plate and then double check the focus and then stick the plate in tell us to hold steady and instead of using a shutter she's actually removing the lens cap from the lens for about a second and a half uh, or two seconds I, I didn't quite count but it was more than a second and then replacing it and then we were done and then we got to watch the plate get developed in the light it doesn't have to be once it's once it's exposed it can come out and get processed in the light and what's interesting is that they there's all these different chemical baths that they have to use for processing and when they first put the plate in it shows up as a negative so you see this negative and then as it's processing it slowly goes from a negative to a positive so the plate is the actual final piece it's almost like a you know at this point is a like a print 
And so you watch it go from negative and it slowly switches into a positive. And the other thing that's interesting about it is that the image is flopped because the camera that she's using is not, is reversing the image. Uh, so when they're setting up and they're taking the picture, what's on the left side of reality is on the right side of the plate. So it's a mirror image of what they're shooting. And so the plate is reflecting that as I, as it gets into development, I'm noticing like, wait a minute, I'm not, I don't have my earrings on my, <laughs> on my right ear or my left ear. And I'm like, Oh, right. The, the camera is not reversing it. So it's an actual flipped image. And so we're watching it process and then we're watching it get fixed so that the processing stops and then it has to get, um, uh, eventually it washed a little bit and then they add some, uh, varnish to it and then they have to dry it. And this whole process took about, about 40, 45 minutes. And, you know, while that was happening, she said, you know, come back and, you know, a little while and your, your picture will be ready. And so, you know, about 40 minutes later, I came back and they presented to uh, the image to us in a box that um, is taped in the bottom. So it's raised off of the box. It's also sort of embedded in the box. It doesn't slide around. And they gave us a little brochure here that talks about the tin type care. And I'll just read this to you. The plate is dry but the varnish will need time to set and can be can still be compromised. Limit touching the front of the plate for seven to 10 days. We, rem we recommend leaving it in the box for this time period. After that, the plate can be taken out of the box and framed in a variety of ways. Although the plates are incredibly archival, always be gentle and never place anything directly on the surface of the plate. This will prevent scratches and fingerprints. When mounting in a frame with glass, use a mat or a spacer to separate the glass from touching the plate. Do not place in a location with strong direct sunlight. So even though this is a very, very, very archival process, it still has some limitations, uh, which means I probably can't put it on my scanner to scan because then the, the uh, surface will be touching glass. So I can't do that. In order for me to present it, um, I'll have to photograph it and then, and then display it that way. I've took some pictures with my iPhone. So those are the pictures that you'll see I'll probably put them on the, uh, I'll probably put them on the uh, Podbean page and maybe on Facebook. I'm, I'm not sure I'll do a, a, a full page post on the website, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, you'll have to see this picture. So I, we got this made and it's the first time and it, I'm looking at it and it's, uh, it's kind of a, uh, like a warmed tone, very low contrast image, um, in reality. You know, the picture that you'll see on the website will be dependent on what your screen looks like, so it may not be a very true representation. Um, the metal frame, I'm touching it now, I don't want to pull it out of the box, but feels very solid. You know, it feels like a piece of metal, uh, and it's varnished, so it's very shiny on the, uh, on the front. And, of course, the image is reversed, and there I am in my newsboy hat. And what's interesting is that uh, my wife's got her new her hat that she bought at the uh, she actually bought there at the Jazz Age uh, lawn party, and what's interesting is the how the um, how this process recorded the skin tones. And uh, I'm going to read you on their website on the uh, Penumbra Foundation's website. They where you can set up to have your portrait done. They have some frequently asked questions, and one of the things they say, okay, well. Uh, 
uh, on their FAQ page, what should I wear, right? And what you wear can make all the difference in how your tintype looks. Creating a contrast of light and dark areas in the image can help create an image that pops. But here's the interesting part. They say, it is important to know that tintypes do not render color the same way a black and white image would. The process is least sensitive to light in the blue ultraviolet spectrum, so blues tend to appear almost white while reds appear very dark. Sometimes clothing and skin tones may appear different than expected because of the pigments that make up the colors. So I'm looking at my picture here. Now remember, this is now a positive, right? So uh, let's see, it says here that um, blues tend to appear white while reds appear very dark. So my skin tone looks like it looks like I have a tan and I have a, a, a sort of a gray beard. Uh, but the beard in the picture looks really white. And so it looks like I've been under the sun for a very long time. And my, my wife's skin tone is actually quite um, white or not pale, but I would say it's whiter than mine. And it's interesting that I'm thinking that the uh, tintypes, uh, the, um, the emulsion is picking up different uh, subtleties in our skin tones. And in, in my case, it darkened my skin and then therefore brightened up my beard a lot. And with her, actually, her skin tone looks kind of normal. <laughs> so it what the picture looks like, it looks like we're both like some sort of like Midwest farmers that we're dressing up in our, our, our best outfits that have our portrait taken. What's interesting about the tintypes is they predate the 1920s. Now, there were probably there were probably people taking tintypes in the 20s. But at that point in time, there was uh, still, you know, there was film being used and cameras with shutters. And those existed. And I'm not sure how often people were getting tin types made. Maybe there were there were they were still being done, but it wasn't the common thing. Like today, you know, there's more people shooting digital, but there's still some people shooting film. Maybe there was more people shooting film back then, and a few people were doing tin types. But the, at that point, they were probably expensive to do, and the chemicals and the photographer saying, "Well, why bother doing this, especially when you have your your the the models stay very still because the exposures were really long." You know, why bother that when I'll just shoot film? So it's interesting that at the uh, at the Jazz Age Lawn Festival, um, we're, we're using a process that predates the 20s, but the whole effect of it is very appropriate. I mean, the picture looks, you know, it looks like it was taken long, long time ago. And, you know, that including our, the clothing that we're wearing uh, just really adds to the whole effect. So... That's the whole sort of description of it. Let me just go through there. Let's see, the Penumbra Foundation. Yeah, they have a really nice brochure with a very, very old camera on it. Um, it's something that you can become a member to, and you can take classes there if you want to learn old-style old style photography methods. Uh, so if you're in the city, I would definitely take a look at it if you're into this kind of stuff. Um, I might take a look about, at this because uh, when I saw... I've been seeing this booth every time I've, I've gone by there, and I really liked it. And I've seen other people take their pictures there, but it was really something else to be a subject of having my picture taken. And it's not as it's it was so different than having someone like put up a DSLR into my face and take a picture. It was a very um, uh, long sort of process, and there was a lot more uh, being involved with the photographer. And she's describing what's going on. And it, it was a whole event rather than just having 
you know, someone stick a picture, you know, a, a camera in my face and take a shot and then, you know, email me the file. There was something else to this that was uh, more, uh, I almost can't put words to it. I mean, it was certainly a, a real experience uh, watching it getting processed uh, in the baths. Now, I grew up learning how to do film and working in a darkroom. So I'm not, you know, something like this is not, uh, you know, new to me. I've seen things getting developed in liquid before, you know, no big deal. I've never had a picture done on metal before, uh, especially of myself. So this was all kind of new. In fact, it was capturing some of the magic feeling while I was watching it getting processed that uh, I remember having when I first developed my own film. So some of the magic was coming back when I'm looking at this. And when it was finally done, and actually, you know, it wasn't done yet. It was still drying, but I was incredibly, incredibly excited. And I, I was realizing that this piece of metal, you know, now exists with our, you know, my image and my wife's image and our portrait on it exists in, in the three-dimensional world. And I think I talked about this before on other uh, previous episodes and with other podcasters that I think if you really want to enjoy your pictures, you should bring them into the real world. You should print them. That's the best way to uh, live with them. But uh, there was something else about this that, that touched me. And I might have mentioned this also before, but the, I'm not getting nostalgic about film either. This is, I mean, I liked film. I, it's had its time for me. Uh, I, I would like to shoot it again someday just for fun and play with it. Um, but there's something about when you shoot with film and you realize the, the light that is bouncing off your subject is actually coming into your camera and is affecting the piece of film that's in your camera. And then you end up with this artifact of light that you then use to make prints. But the, the light that was in the, in the place with you and your camera has also then affected this piece of film and is with you. And so this film this 3D object, this this piece of cellulite, uh, cellulose uh, with chemicals on it, actually has been affected by the light that existed while you were there. And this doesn't happen with digital. Uh, digital is basically taking the light that it records and is converting it into you know into electricity into into bits, and then and then giving you a, a representation of the light that was there. And there's something about film that is actually the record of the light that was there. It's almost like in some way thinking about those, you know, cave paintings that, that you know, in France, the, the guy, <coughs> person, excuse me, who probably put a bunch of dye into their mouth and spit it over their hands and create a shadow of their hands. And you kind of know that they were there uh, in order to do this. And so... Um, you know, when I see a piece of film, especially uh, an, like a negative or a slide, like I know that that film had actually traveled to that location where the photographer was and it captured the light that was there. And there's something about that that digital photography can't capture. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, it begins to sound like I'm nostalgic for the old days of film, but I, I think there's just something special about it that we need to sort of remember. And I'm, I'm thinking about it now that I'm glad that people are bringing back the film process so that, uh, you know, if any of you out there are shooting film, that you can experience this and think about it a little bit, you know, that that when you take a piece of film and you record something, it is an analog of your travels, of what you saw, of where you were. 
and it's with you. It becomes this this artifact of light. And so when I got this, you know, this plate back from the people after they processed it, I realized uh, as I'm looking at it that that it's a very permanent image. And as long as it's taken care of, you know, it could last well beyond my lifespan and multiple lifespans. You know, this could end up in some garage sale for someone to poke through and, you know, 100, 200 years from now. And I don't think I have anything around me that I feel that it's going to, that's going to happen to. But this image is, is really going to confuse people too. From <laughs> 100 years from now, they're going to say, wait a minute, the, when did this picture get taken? They're, they're wearing 1920s clothes, but it's a nine, you know, it's an 18th, you know, 19th century film process. It's going to confuse somebody. But I, I looked at it and I was like, even though it's, you know, the image is flopped and the skin tones are a little different. So it's uh, an interpretation of reality based on the, on the chemistry. I just got so overwhelmed by the sense of the permanency of this, uh, of this, 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 um, this object in my hands. And it's locked in this period of time that my wife and I experienced at the jazz age lawn party in August of 2017. And it's now timeless. And for some reason, I haven't looked at a picture of me and got so excited about it. I'm not vain or anything like that. And I thought, you know, I look, it looks kind of cool. You know, look like I do look like I'm from the, uh, um, you know, from Midwest and I, sh you know, going back to my farm or something like that. Uh, so it's a, it's a, a kind of a misrepresentation of who I am because we're dressed in costume. But, you know, thinking about it over time and, it, you know, that will get lost and someone might not know it's me or my wife and they might think, you know, they might start interpreting this picture in all sorts of ways. Um, and that's, you know, for the future to figure out. That, that wasn't something that I was thinking about. But it really got me thinking about this idea of permanency in, in, in photography and uh, how kind of important it is sort of to have pictures of yourself and uh, your family and and maybe in such a way that they become permanent, you know, so that somewhere along the line, someone in the future will will look back and, and you know, see who you were. And also, you know, this idea of something that actually was there, like this piece of film, sorry, this piece of uh, aluminum was actually on Governor's Island with me and my wife. And it captured the light that bounced off of our faces. And, and what's interesting is that this is not even a negative. This is the actual record of the light that hit us and then went through the lens and went into the into the camera there's no uh intermediate process like if you have a you know if you're shooting film and you have a negative you have to go through one more step you know to put it on a print uh and the, the light that hits the print is actually not the light from the original scene but um you know transparencies like slide film that's the actual light and this is almost in a sense like a like a slide this is the record the analog record of that time with the light and what we were wearing and what where our faces were making so i i just wanted to share that because it was i mean first of all it's one of the most manual experiences i've ever seen i mean you're literally uh the person is not even using a camera with a shutter she's she's removing the lens cap and then putting it back on and the film, quote unquote, is a piece of metal with some chemical liquid on it. 
I mean, I, I, you don't get any more basic than that in terms of photography at all. Uh, there is, I mean, short of a pinhole camera that doesn't have a lens, um, this is the next step above that in some way. Uh, and I would want to recommend that if you uh, are into this process that you uh, check out the Penumbra Foundation. Um, their website is penumbrafoundation.org. And like I said, they are in the city, and you can become a member. And if you're interested in old-style processes, um, you know, you can go there and you can take a class or have your portrait taken. You know, like I said, it's probably not cheap because a lot of the stuff is, you know, the chemicals involved and uh, the materials are, are not going to be inexpensive. But, you know, if you're going to – I thought, you know, $85 for a portrait that's going to last forever, you know, as long as we take care of it, that, you know, is priceless in some sense. So, um Anyway, I wanted to I wanted to share this experience. Oh, the other thing is <laughs> the other part of this is I told you I went with my 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 Fuji camera, and so while I was at the Jazz Age Fest, I'm taking pictures of people using the using the Fuji camera, and then I'm transferring those to my iPhone via Wi-Fi, and then I'm using this app called Tintype of all things by the people who make Hipstamatic, and I'm creating these sort of fake Tintype versions of you know, real dig of digital pictures. And when really, when you compare one to the other, I mean, I, with all due credit for the people who are doing Hipstamatic, I love their app and I love, I love this app called Tintype. And I like, you know, for certain pictures, it really is appropriate. But of course, it's a, it's a process that's not, um, that's repeatable. You know, it's a digital um, mimicry of an, of an actual uh, analog process. So it, it's someone else's interpretation of what, a tin type image should look like, um, and when you compare, you know, a real tin type to the to the app, it's almost night and day. You you you, know, you you can notice the difference. You notice one is beautiful and sublime, and the other is really mimicry. I'm not judging it. I I use these apps all the time, and I I think sometimes adding a filter to a to an image just helps you uh, to tell the story of the picture, but. Again, it, it is night and day. It's I'm looking at a digital picture, uh, so it's an interpretation across the board. It's the camera's interpretation of the light. It's the conversion from light to electricity to digital bits. Then it's sent through the air, through a radio signal, to a, to a phone of all things. It's processed using an application that someone else thinks about what a tintype looks like, and you spit out an image, and it's so far removed from the reality of what was there uh, and then comparing that to this piece of metal which is you know it's it, it's also an interpretation because again like they said in in the uh, in the FAQs the film records the sorry the film the the emulsion records light differently so my skin tone looks a lot different than it does in reality so again it's an interpretation but it's a very it feels very pure. There's something pure about it and um, something very special about it. And I'm not wishing, you know, for film to come back and take over. There were certain parts of film that I liked and certain parts I didn't like. There was a lot more headaches. Um, but I think I would like to pick up film again and see if I can capture some of that feeling of, um, you know, recording the light that is that is in front of me, that it's actually you know, a part of the, uh, part of the scene and part of the, uh, part of the experience. So anyway, 
I've kept you for a half an hour. You know, whether you <laughs> listen to me or not uh, is not, again, is, I actually wanted to keep this a lot shorter, but it's not a true episode. Yeah, I just wanted to tell you guys about my experience and see if I could squeak something in before the end of summer as we start getting into fall and the days start getting shorter. I wanted to talk about something a little less serious, but, you know, uh, all that important to me. So that being said, uh, please tune in for our 60th episode with any luck we'll have it out uh, about this time next week I have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> you know um, we might reminisce about well 60 episodes it's a lot for a podcast and, and I'm really happy that we're still doing it and like I said we may not have Tom all the time Tom's Tom's life is well, both all, both of our lives are a lot different um, it's a lot easier when Tom is around the corner for me for us to schedule things to be together but we're going to try to do as many shows as we can together. Switch to manual isn't going anywhere. And we're going to continue and expand. Hopefully we want to start offering our, you know, our courses online and start doing some, you know, training videos and, and whatnot. Uh, and so, you know, keep, keep tuned to us. I, I'm happy that you guys are listening to us and, uh, honored that, uh, so many of you have, uh, uh, told us that uh, you like our show and you like the way what we're doing and how we're going about it so uh, i really appreciate it this is a sort of a shout out to all you guys who are sticking with us and if you do like us please tell your friends about us and share all of our um, posts as you can uh, we're really trying to spread the word and grow uh we want to grow a lot larger than we're we're growing um than we are so we want to get bigger and uh really share this uh share this community that we've uh, started and that you guys are um, part of so thanks a lot no big uh, outro uh, just uh, keep tuned to uh, keep tuned to this channel <laughs> for for more uh, street shots coming up next week like I said you might get three episodes and if I'm really good three episodes in September and then we'll try to get to a two episode schedule as uh, as time goes on and try to keep it uh, regular so that you guys know that you know something will come in in the middle of the month some will come something will come in at the end of the month so that being said, I uh, hope you guys had a great summer and look forward to, uh, you know, interacting with you guys in the near future. So that's it. And I will see you later. <laughs>